About seven years ago, I was teaching middle school in Novato, California. I was a seminary student, also teaching middle school at the time. And in my seventh grade history class, uh, we had come to a chapter on the Protestant Reformation. And so as a Christian, I was excited about this, right? Because, you know, we're not really supposed to talk about Jesus much in public school. But it was clear that this was an, could have been an opportunity. So as I'm going through this, you know, I'm praying more like, God, like if there's an opportunity for me to be able to talk to my students about faith, please help them bring up those questions. And so we go through the Protestant Reformation, and one of my students, she raises her hand and she says, Mr. Pilgrim, do you, do you believe in Jesus? Or do you think Jesus is real? And I said, well, I said, you know, I, yes, I think Jesus was real. I think even historians that outside of the Bible have said that Jesus is real. The real question is, do you believe what the Bible says about Jesus is true or just that he was a historical person that existed? And so she followed that up by saying, well, what do you believe? And so I was able to kind of run through the gospel with my students in seventh grade. And so as I'm going through that, you know, I begin to talk about, you know, our sin and our need for Jesus and how he walks with us through hard times. And so I had another student raise her hand, and she said, Mr. Pilgrim, life's kind of been pretty easy for me. She's like, you know, things are going pretty well. Things are good at home. Like, why, why do I need Jesus? And I thought, that's such a great question. That's such a great question. Why do I need Jesus? Why do you need Jesus? Why do we need Jesus? Obviously, in, in someone who's younger, they haven't gone through all the life experiences that they are going to go through. I, I think by now, I believe this student is probably in college. I think that's about the correct age. So I'm sure life hasn't been as easy for her uh, in the rest of that time as it was maybe at that point. But it did bring up an important thing for me. We need to know why we need Jesus. We need to understand what makes Jesus compelling to us. Because one, it just strengthens our faith for us to understand why. Because if our answer becomes something to the effect of, well, I've always gone to church and that's just what people do. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the thing I've decided to go with. There's a difference between knowing that we need Jesus and knowing that He exists, right? If we know that we need Jesus, there's, a, there's an acknowledgement of our shortcomings, as opposed to just knowing that He exists means that we're aware that He's out there, but we're not really giving up control to Him because we don't see that we have a need. So we need to think about what is the compelling reason we have that we have decided, you know what, I want this thing with Jesus so much that I'm giving up control of my life. Because see, that's what it is to follow Jesus, is to give up control of your life and say, you know what, I am no longer Lord of my own life, but my faith and my trust in Jesus is so much so that I want to have Him be the Lord of my life and follow where He has me to go. So what makes that so compelling for us? The definition for compelling, I made sure to write this down, the definition for compelling reads as follows, evoking interest, attention, or admiration in a powerfully irresistible way. Let's read that again evoking interest, attention, or admiration in a powerfully irresistible way. 
So the gospel needs to be compelling because if we're going to do things like give up control of our lives to follow someone else, then there's got to be a compelling reason for it. And so right now, I want you to take a second over here in the chat. I want you to give me one or two sentences, right? Let's keep it short just for the sake of time. What compelled you to say, you know what? I'm willing to give up control of my life and I want to follow Jesus. What was the thing that did it for you? Because we have, we all have different reasons. I mean, some of them are the same, but each of us has something that really stood out to us about what makes the gospel of Jesus so compelling. So right now, write that, put it in your chat. What is one sentence, one or two sentences that tells us why you were so compelled to give your life to Jesus? Because it's important that we are able to answer that question for ourselves. Because if we get to this place where we want to share our faith with others, but we can't tell them why we ourselves were compelled to follow Jesus, then it doesn't seem like we really believe what we're saying. And people can sense that from a mile away. So we want to be able to know why we're following Jesus, why we have this need for Jesus. We've been going through this series entitled, Go Where You Are. The idea that we are missionaries carrying the gospel to right here where we live in Benicia, Vallejo, Concord, the Bay Area. That is what we are doing. That is what we are focusing on for this time. And so one of our driving things behind that is the Your For card. Now, everybody should have gotten one of those in the mail by now. If you have not gotten one, then that means we do not have your mailing address. So if you would like one that you can put on your fridge or that you can keep with you, perhaps on a desk somewhere, on this uh, connection card link up in the top right corner, click on that, give us your current address, and we will mail one of those to you because we want you to be involved in this. We believe that God's going to do some great things, and we're excited about what's going to happen. And so what we've been working on for this month of January is thinking about names that can be on that list. Some of us have four, some of us have one, some of us are thinking about getting that first one, and all that's okay. What, what we want from this is to change the way we view our interactions with people and understand that in every moment of our lives, God is active and God is at work. And we want to show people that Christ has the power to transform lives and that we love people, right? The people in our lives who don't follow Jesus, we, we love them regardless of whether or not they're following Jesus, right? But if you don't have a compelling message that you know of, then it's going to be very hard for you to share that with others. And so that's what we want to do. We, we were praying that you'll get to the point where you can have those faith-based spiritual conversations with them. And it's important to know why you follow Jesus, right? Like that's like for that conversation, that's more important than if you knew every word of the Bible, right? People want to know why it's compelling to you because people are interested in stories. They're interested in why you feel your life has been transformed by Jesus and why you were willing to give up everything, right? All the control, everything that the world says we need to have. Why are you willing to give that up to follow Jesus? So it's important for us to know that. If you're watching this and you have not placed your faith in Jesus right? Then, then that means you've not found a compelling reason to do so. And so I'm, I'm hoping that through today's message, uh, I, one, I'm hoping that you do find a compelling message and why it is worth it to follow Jesus. Uh, and if, even if you don't get to that point, just to be able to think about why it is that people who follow Jesus, why we treasure Him, 
right? Why we're willing to give up those things. So where even if you don't decide that, at least you understand where other people are coming from with that. Because here's what has to happen. In order for the gospel to, to, to draw us in, to, to be irresistible, it has to do two things. It has to speak to the long-term impact of our lives, eternity, but it also has to speak to the immediate and short-term impact of our lives, like the here and now, um, especially during this crazy time, right? We're in this global pandemic and everyone's life has been changed in some way or another, right? Like whether or not you believe that this thing is a big deal or isn't a big deal, the reality is that everyone's life has changed, not just in America, but around the world. And so there have been so many struggles come with that. And so if Jesus can't, can't be involved in the here and now with this, then we're wasting our time following him. But if he can, if he can be involved in our eternity and be involved in our here and now, then that's worth giving up everything for. So today we are going to be in my favorite chapter in the Bible. It is Romans chapter 8. If you, if you have a favorite chapter, put that in the chat right now. Let us know what your favorite chapter is. Um, mine is Romans 8. It is something, I, it is the chapter I have read more than any other in the Bible by far. Uh, it is when I feel distant from God, it is the chapter I go to to remind myself what is true and how God feels about us and what God has done for us. Uh, through the work of Jesus. And I'm so grateful for that. And so I'm excited to be able to talk about this because it kind of brings me back, it recenters me around the truth that God has. So we're going to be in Romans. Uh, if you have your physical Bible, open that up. If you um, have the digital version, if you have the version app, I know that we've, uh, if you're not aware, we have started a Bible reading plan. And it is on the YouVersion app that we follow, and it allows us to kind of give comments and talk back and forth about what we're reading. It's definitely not too late to jump in on that. We'll be going in it through the whole year. So whether or not you have the Bible in print or in digital, it is all God's Word. We all celebrate it, and that is what we want to be the basis for everything we do. So we're going to start off in Romans 8. We're going to jump around some verses, but it's all going to be within that chapter. But we're going to start at the beginning in Romans 8, verse 1. And so before I do that, I, I want to talk about this is the eternal, the long-term view of why we believe it's a compelling message to follow Jesus. Romans 8.1, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Boom, end of story. We can go home now, right? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This first means that our eternity, our long-term, long, long-term, can be secure in Christ Jesus. So what does it mean to be in Jesus? Well, it's, it's the story of the gospel, right? So, so here's what that means. We, as humans, have sinned and separated ourselves from God. That's kind of the starting point, right? That's for us. We separated ourselves from God. We cannot do the works necessary to bring us back to God. It's impossible for us to be able to do that. So God, in his love for us, sends Jesus. Jesus lives the perfect life, the life that we should have lived, and dies the death that we deserve. And he's raised again to even conquer death. And so when we have our faith and our trust in him, 
then the result, as Romans 8.1 tells us, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. See, the reality is we all deserve condemnation. If, we, if, if God is real and His standard is perfection, we have all fallen short. So we all deserve that, but through Jesus, we're, we're not condemned. Again, that's by putting our faith and our trust in Jesus and what He has done, right? So if you're, if you're watching us and you're, you're, not a, you're not a believer and you're thinking about, you know, what happens in life after death, this is what we believe. We believe that there is life after death and we believe that in Jesus we are not condemned. Because the Scripture tells us in many different places that our lives, once we place our faith and trust in Jesus, our lives are hidden in Christ. And so here's what that means. When God looks at us, He doesn't see all the junk, right? And we know that we have junk in our lives. Every one of us knows that. But if our faith and our trust is in Jesus, we are hidden in Jesus. When God looks at us, you know what He sees? He sees Jesus. He doesn't see my sin. He sees the righteousness of Christ. So therefore, I'm I'm not condemned. And if you are in Christ Jesus, you are not condemned. I mean, that should, just that from the big picture thing, right, from the big picture, the 30,000 foot view or whatever, that should help us to breathe a sigh of relief. The fact that our eternity can be secure. And so what this is telling us is that there will be people on earth that try and condemn us. When they see, listen, we're going to mess up. Those of us that are Christians, we're going to mess up. And what's going to happen, sometimes you'll have people tell you, you know what, I see what you've done and you don't deserve to be with God. You don't deserve to go to heaven. But see, if our faith is in Jesus, here's how we would respond. You're right. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of that. But Jesus is, and He is my representative before God, and I am hidden in Him so that when God looks at me, He sees Jesus. Therefore, no condemnation. I mean, what 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 an amazing thing that is. And that's a long-term view, but I want to spend most of the time on the kind of the, the short-term view for us because most people that I've spoken to that are not following Christ uh, are more concerned or, or distracted or focused or whatever you want to call it on the here and now. They're not, they're not thinking long-term. Just in all aspects in life, the majority of humanity does not think long-term. But when it comes to salvation, you know, kind of this like, okay, it's out there. I see that Jesus offers this after death, right? Like there's life after death, like that's fine. But what about now? What about, can he do anything for me now? And so that is the surface level that people look at. And the reality, what they're really saying is, what most people are really saying is, can Jesus do something for me in the here and now? The question is, can Jesus make my life easier because that's what we want. We want better circumstances. We want an easier life. We want things to go well for us and to not be difficult. That's what we want. That's what we want. We want that to happen. We wish our life circumstances were easier, whether it be uh, our romantic lives, our, our work lives, our interactions with our children, how they behave, how they don't behave, the friendships we have. All these things, we want our circumstances to be better. And so sometimes that's what we focus on. Lord, if, if, my, if my, my kid would just behave like everything would be great, like that's all I want, Jesus. I just want you to make my kid behave. Those things 
just barely scratch the surface. That's not the real thing that we need. Jesus knows that our need is so much deeper than how people at work treat us or that how our kids behave or that we have a date this Friday or not. Things are so much deeper than that. And we, we a lot of times, we don't want to do the self-examination to get to that deep-rooted point because it's painful. And because we've fooled ourselves into thinking if these surface-level things can be fine, then we're good. But that's not the reality. See, at, at our core, we need to feel like we belong. We need to know that we are seen, and we need to know that we are loved simply because we exist. Not because of what we can offer people, but simply because we exist. That's at our core. We want to belong. We want to feel loved. So that's a deep core longing within all of us. So how does Jesus, right, how, do, how does our faith in him, how does it meet that need? Back to our Bibles, Romans 8, verses 14 and 15. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The key word I want you to look at is adoption, and I want to tell you a story. This is a picture of my niece, Kavita. She is awesome. I, I love her so much. And my brother and his wife adopted Kavita a few years ago. And so, as you know, it kind of gave, gave me an opportunity to see firsthand what the process of adoption is like. And so they wanted to adopt, and, and God put it on their heart to adopt a girl from India. And so they went through a long process that honestly lasted for a couple of years before they even got to meet Kavita. Now, here's the crazy thing. I think about this, right? Like, so for my brother and his wife, they had not met Kavita before. They did not know what she was going to be like. They did not know what struggles were going to come with having her come home. But here's what they did. They said, you know what? We, we, we choose you, Kavita, to be part of our family. Not for what you can give us, but we just want you to be part of our family. We want you to be connected with us simply because you exist and you belong, to a, and you belong with a family. Now, my brother and his wife had to go through a lot of things to be able to make the adoption process work. Like I said, it, it cost money. It, it took time. Uh, we prayed and prayed for her for years before anyone had ever met her. And I think about how beautiful that picture is, right? Not, not knowing that Kavita could even give anything to their family, but that they wanted her to be a part of their family. And as great and beautiful as that story is, it's, it's only a small fraction of, of what God does. Because God looks at us and says, you know what, I, I, I want to adopt you. I want you in my family simply because you exist. That's it. 
God's not saying, okay, if I get this one, then I'm going to have more stuff over here. If I get that one, I'm going to have more stuff over here. God says, I'm offering adoption to all of you simply because you exist. How beautiful is that story? Do you, when, I, when I think back to my brother and, 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 and to Kavita, my niece, the only way that didn't ha- wouldn't have happened is if she just refused to get on the plane. That offer was there for her. God has given us an even greater offer than that. God, God says, listen, it's here. I've, I've sent Jesus. I've taken care of this. I want you. I want you as part of my family. I want you so much that I sent Jesus to live the life you should have lived and to die the death that you deserve. But I put that on Jesus because I want you in my family. Not for what you can give me, but simply because you exist. I mean, this, uh, the beauty in that just blows me away. Because again, at our core longing, we want to belong. We want to know that we are seen. We want to know that we are loved simply because we exist. And that's what this is saying here in Romans. You received your adoption. God said, hey, I want you. So if your faith is in Jesus, then the second that happened, you're adopted into God's family. So for those of you even that are watching that have not placed your faith in Jesus, God still wants you. Like, I, I don't care what you've done, God still wants you. He still wants you to be in his family. That, that offer is there, and, and nothing will change that. Now, as we talked about during this, this pandemic, like so many crazy things have been happening. Um, and so how does Jesus speak to that, right? So we, start, we, we just talked about the core longing that he feels. So now, okay, now that we feel secure in that, right, my core longing is solved, there are still things in life that are happening, right? During this pandemic, we've had people lose their jobs. Uh, people have had to move. Some people have chosen to move. Other people have had to move. Parents and kids have had struggles for virtual learning. So many people have had uh, mental health issues by the fact that if, if you're an extrovert and now you have to work at home by yourself, like I've talked to people like that's a huge problem for them. Because that's the way that they thrive is by interacting with other people. So when you can't do those types of things, it becomes a problem. We are all dealing with these struggles. And so we are now almost, I can't even believe this, almost a year into this, right? Like as I'm sitting in the sanctuary at church, just realizing that in just, in just a few weeks' time, it will have been a full year since you have been in here with us. I mean, that's crazy. And so many things have happened. And there have been moments of weakness and struggle for all of us. There have been good things for some of us too. God has definitely done great things to this. But for all of us, there have been weaknesses and struggles. And so how does God help us in that weakness? When it's our struggle, when we feel like we can't go on, when, when our kids are driving us crazy, when we feel more lonely than we've ever felt in our lives, how in our weakness can we get through that? Let's look to Romans 8. Romans 8, verses 26 to 28. In the same way, the Spirit, it's talking about the Spirit of God, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, 
but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There's so much goodness even in just these couple of verses. All right, let's look at this. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. So that's not, here's, here's, let's understand this. It's not saying you can never be weak. God's not saying you're, you shouldn't be weak. You should always be strong no matter what. That's not what's happening. God is saying, I understand that you have weakness. I understand that you have struggle. That's why I'm providing a helper for you. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God helps us in our weakness. There are so many times, there's been times through this, you know, and through my life where I, I'm thinking about something and just the reality, I'm like, God, I don't even know what to pray for. Like, I know things are wrong, I know something's off, but I don't even know what to pray for. This verse talks about this. It says, the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Do you understand what that means? God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is in your corner. The Holy Spirit is saying, I see what's happening, and I am interceding for you to help you during this time. He is in your corner. I mean, that's crazy, right? To think about the Holy Spirit is in our corner interceding for us. There's been so much crazy through this time, and a verse that I've really had to hold on to is one of my favorite verses uh, in, since I've become a Christian. But in verse 28, when it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It says all things, all things. We're going through this crazy pandemic. Life is hard, and God's working for good during it, through this? How's that possible? Because, again, the way we view things is different from how God views things. Again, when we say, how's it possible that he's working all things for good, what we mean is, God, my circumstances are still crap. Sorry if that offends anybody. My circumstances are still not good. I, I, I want something to be different. But what this Scripture is showing us is that God's view is so much different than ours. And when he says he's working things for good, it's for good, it's for what's best for you. Not for what you want most, but God knows what's best for you better than you do. God knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for me better than I do. And so he's working all those things out. And that's just such a, an, an unbelievable thing to know that we can trust that even when life is hard, God is working something within us that we need, that we need to have. He's working all things for good, for his definition of good. And that's comforting because he's going to be fulfilling that because he is God. And so this leads us to the next part. This is, uh, again, Romans 8 being my favorite chapter. There is still something I struggle with for, for me personally, even, even understanding that God's working all things for good. I struggle with believing that God is for me. I'm just going to be honest with you, right? As, as a pastor, I'm, I'm just saying it like, you know, there are times I pray and I, I don't believe that God is for me, right? I, I know that God has saved me and, and offered Jesus, 
But I think sometimes I have this mindset like that after he's done that, he's like, no, I'm done with you. Like, you, you don't really, you're, you're fine. I'm not going to worry about you anymore. And so when I get in those moments where I don't believe that God is for me, uh, I, I come to Romans 8. Because I know that my feelings, while they should not be ignored, should not be the thing that leads me. It should be the thing that drives everything I do. So when my feelings don't seem to be in line with what I've read in the Bible, I go back to the Bible because that is more true than my feelings are. And so in Romans 8, verses 31 through 32, this is, this is big for me. I would say, any of you that are struggling with this too, that you think God's out to get you or against you, let's, let's look at these verses. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He who did not spare his own son. It's amazing and it's, it's, um, it leads me to a place of repentance when I think that God's holding out on me somehow, but yet he did not spare his own son. He gave Jesus for us, and I sometimes struggle thinking that he's holding out on me. Like, that's insane, but that's where I go to. I'm just going to be honest with you. All pastors have a struggle with something. That's one of mine. You can ask the other pastors here what theirs are, but that's one of mine. So I have to come back to what the Bible says, and that re-centers me to understanding to know, no matter what I'm feeling like that day, the truth is that God is for me, that God is for you. If he didn't spare his own son, how would he not graciously give us all things? And here's the truth that that verse sticks to me. God has given me everything I need to handle whatever current circumstances I find myself in. Let me repeat that. God has given me everything I need at that moment to handle whatever current life circumstances I am in. God is for me. And I have to consistently ask myself the question, do I believe that? And do I live like it? Earlier I mentioned that it's important that we are able to articulate or just to be able to tell people why the message of Christ is compelling to us. And so and here, here's mine. Right, I'm going to give you a little bit, little bit about Lee here if you haven't already heard it. Um, I grew up in church, right? I knew all the stories. I could tell you everything backwards and forwards. Um, but I never gave my life to Jesus. And in my mind at that time, it wasn't compelling. So instead of doing that, I basically tried everything else the world has to offer. Drugs, alcohol, anything you can think of, that's kind of the path I, I, I decided to try all of those things. And so... I came to a realization, right, even after trying those things, it all, like, nothing brought fulfillment, uh, nothing brought lasting fulfillment. And so I was kind of left with the, okay, I'm going to try this Jesus thing again to see if there's something that sticks. And, but my thinking was, I've done so much wrong, right? And, and it's not like that I had never been to church. It's not that I didn't know those things were wrong. I knew they were wrong. I willingly did them anyway. 
And so my thought process in trying to, to come back into the whole Jesus thing was, is it possible that, that I'm even still allowed to try this again? Or, or is God done with me? And so the end of Romans 8 is the compelling thing for me. It's what, it's what changed my life. So first we're going to start in Romans 8, 33 to 35. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So see, we had the Holy Spirit earlier. Now Jesus is on our side. He's in your corner. But this is the thing that really got me as far as for the compelling message for myself. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? So can those things separate us from the love of Christ? Because I thought that I could separate myself from the love of Christ. Let's jump down to verse 38. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, look at that. Neither death nor life, no, no spiritual forces, um, nothing in here and now, nothing in the future, nothing else in all creation. And so I had had this belief that I had separated myself from the love of God. But then when I see the words, nothing else in all creation, I, I'm in all creation, you're in all creation. This includes you, not even you, not even me. We cannot separate ourselves from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And for me, there was nothing more compelling because I had wronged so many people and I had ruined so many relationships. And so I had applied that thinking to God that, well, if these other people are now done with me, God's probably done with me too. But then to see that there is nothing that I could do to separate myself from his love. It changed everything for me. And so that's where we are. If you've not placed your faith in Jesus, please, I, I hope that you see why it's compelling to those of us that have and, and to hopefully show you everything that you want, everything that you need, everything that you need, and everything that you're looking for, meaning, purpose, joy, a sense of belonging, a sense that knowing you are loved simply because you exist, it is only found in Jesus. That's it. That's it. So for those of you that don't, have not seen that this is a compelling thing yet, I pray that you see that. For those of you who are Christians, who are following, I pray that you are reminded why the message in the gospel of Jesus is so compelling. And I pray that you will take time and to examine your heart and think about why it was compelling to you. Because that's going to be, anytime you get the opportunity to talk about your faith, that's going to give so much more meaning because you're talking from what you have seen God do in your life. You don't have to ask somebody else, well, did this happen or did that happen? I, I read this somewhere, but you can say, you know what? This is how Jesus changed my life. This much I know. And for me, Romans 8 was the thing that changed my life forever. 
through God's word. I can't find anything more compelling than that. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for so many things. Lord, I thank you that you are concerned with our eternity. I thank you that you are concerned with our here and now. God, I thank you that you are concerned with what we long for in our core being. And I thank you that you provided the thing that connects us to that. Lord, you sent Jesus, who lived the life that we all should have lived, but that we all fell miserably to do so. Lord, and in in knowing that, admitting, acknowledging our need for a Savior, our need for Jesus, knowing that we need to be rescued, Lord, this is the most compelling message that is in existence today. Lord, I pray for those... uh, who have placed their faith in you, God, that you will help them to be able to to share with others, God, what you have done for them. Lord, and I pray for those who have not placed their faith in you yet. Lord, I pray that you will continue to show them how compelling um, and how irresistible the love, the adoption, the gift that you offer of Jesus, how amazing that is, and that it will draw them to you. Lord, I thank you for who you are and for the unending ways that you love us. And you've shown us that through Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.